Well, good morning, my EBC family and all those who are sharing in with us this morning. It is a beautiful day that the Lord has made and we come to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so happy and super excited that that you chose to join us uh, in our Sunday morning worship experience. I want to read a little story to you before we get kicked off with our lesson text this morning. Uh, Wally Amos began his career in the mailroom of the William Morris Agency, the world's largest and oldest talent agency. He eventually worked his way up to become the firm's first African-American agent. His trademark was sending homemade cookies along with his invitations to new business prospects. The recipe was his own home while he attended food trades vocational high school. The cookies were so good that the celebrities Marvin Gaye and Helen Red at that time gave Amos a loan to launch his first famous Amos store in 1975. In less than a decade, famous Amos cookies were a multi-billion dollar success story. Folks, never let your limitations limit what God can do with you, even if you are for now in the mail room, so to speak. If you will simply make the most of where you are, God will do the rest. He's watching to see what you will do first with what he's already given you when no one else is paying that much attention. Hear me carefully. When you look a little closer at what you have, you just may discover like Moses and like David that you have more than enough to accomplish God's plan for you. Yes, you may be limited in resources or even in skills, but while God doesn't always call the equip, he always equips the call. I want y'all to repeat that with me and say, God doesn't always call the equipped, but he does equip the call. Amen. And I believe that all of us in here who all of us who have named the name of Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've been called, amen, to take God's word and be an ambassador for Christ in this world that we live in. We're going to go back to uh, Philippians, the third chapter, because I think the Apostle Paul is a perfect example. Even though we, when we look at him today, Paul, when you look at his background, uh, would be considered in the world of Judaism and under the old covenant, a a star, a rising star in the religious realm. He had it all, but we're going to discover that Paul counted that as nothing compared to his walk with Christ. So in Philippians chapter number three, uh, we're going to begin our reading, praise God, uh, in uh, around the fourth verse of Philippians chapter number three. And we're talking about uh, joy in believing and we're focusing on the spiritual mind. I want you to repeat that when we say the spiritual mind, because we discovered on last week as we as I shared a couple of things with you. One of the things we realized is that the enemy loves to get us into our emotional mindset. He wants he wants he wants us to be overwhelmed by our emotions because he knows if we get cut and we get uh, if we get put upon by somebody, then it tends to drive us toward the emotional side of our brain. And if we allow our emotions to overwhelm our logic and our thinking part and the part that consumes God's word, then we'll begin to do stuff and respond in a way that's not honoring to God. So the spiritual mind is critically important. The Apostle Paul focuses in on the spiritual mind. So let's begin our reading at verse number four uh, in this third chapter of the book of Philippians. The spiritual mind. Keep that in mind. The spiritual mind. Text says, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I 
have even more. Verse number five, let's read together. It says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Text says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Seven and eight. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse eight, if you read, it says what? Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ, so that I could gain Christ. Now, guys, last week we talked about the importance. If we're going to have a spiritual mind, the first thing we got to do is we got to guard ourselves. Guard yourself. We talked about uh, we do that by rejoicing in the Lord. One of the ways we, when we rejoice in the Lord, that means that we are putting our focus on him above. I like what uh, the, the, the Bible says. If you are then risen with Christ, amen, set your affection of mind on things above and not on things on earth. What that means is that as a born again believer, I have to be heavenly minded. I got to put my focus on God. Amen. And allow that focus to drive what I do here in the earth. So we got to we got to rejoice in the Lord. The second thing we said was we, we we're going to guard ourselves by taking heed to what is written in the scripture. We talked about Jesus Christ and when he was led up uh, by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Every time temptation came, Jesus used the word. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. In order to combat temptation, in order to have and to keep the spiritual mind, we guys have to know what's written. If we don't know what's written, guys, we're going to go with what we feel. And I'm here to tell you right now, and you can, you can attest to this fact yourselves. Whenever you get into your feelings... All of us are subject to doing things outside the will of God. So again, uh, by taking heed to what is written in Scripture, third thing we says by watching out for false teachers. We got to be careful what we allow to come into our ear gates, what we're hearing, false teaching. And 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 fourth thing we says by knowing that we are the true or the spiritual circumcision. Our circumcision is that of the heart and not just a fleshly thing. So today we want to, as we continue to try to to to. Uh, give us an insight in what it means to have the spiritual mindset. The second thing I want to talk about after guarding yourself, we got to make sure that we reject self-righteousness and seek perfection or seek maturity. Reject self-righteousness and seek perfection or maturity. Now, guys, Paul, Paul had received the height in self-righteousness. That's what those scriptures we just read we understand that Paul, as I said, when I got ready to get started here, Paul, if you were to check the resume, so to speak, Paul had a resume out of this world. Now, how many of y'all know that sometimes when people are looking for jobs, they will juice up their resume? You know what it means to juice up your resume? Make something sound a little bit more important than what it was. Or even in some case, unfortunately, people will lie on their resume to make themselves look better than what they actually are or to make themselves seem to have accomplished more than what they've actually accomplished. 
But Paul was not like that. What Paul shared here was his genuine resume of his religious pedigree before he became before he came to Christ. So Paul had received the highest of righteousness. Know what Paul says. Paul says, if any man thinks he can trust in works and attainments of his flesh, nobody can do that more than I can, he says. He says, I can trust and I can boast in the goodness and morality and the works of the flesh as much as any man who has ever lived. And he begins to give us a, a checklist of all of the things. He lists seven privileges. And I want to just review these real quick with you. He lists seven privileges and achievements which show that, that where he was, but it also shows us how inadequate our works are in obtaining right standing before God. First thing was, uh, he talks about the privileges of birth. If you will, let's go back real quickly to uh, this third verse of this, uh, go to the fourth verse of this third chapter right quick. Let's look at this real quickly. The privileges of birth, he says, I was circumcised the eighth day. He says, though I, have, though I have, could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I even more so than anybody else. Verse four, it says, verse five says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Circumcised eight days. Let's park that just for a second. Paul was saying that he, basically what he was saying that if anybody had a right to brag, I, I can brag because I, I have, uh, I, I was circumcised the eighth day. Now guys, you all that study your Bibles know that a true Jewish family always had the male child circumcised when he was just eight days old. Circumcision was a sign that the person believed in God and in his promise and that he had a covenant relationship with God. So Paul says, I was circumcised the eighth day. Paul was saying that goodness and righteousness, even though I was circumcised the right eighth day, it was not found in my Birth privilege. I was circumcised the eighth day. He's, he goes on to say, watch what he says here. When I was eight days old, I am pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He continues to list his religious pedigree of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, let me park that just for a second because Benjamin was considered the aristocratic tribe of Israel, y'all. Because of that tribe's loyalty when so many other was disloyal. You go back and check the history of Israel. And, and because of that tribe's courageous acts uh, throughout Israel's history. So Paul is saying that I came from good stock. Paul is saying that I came from the, from the, the cream de la cream of families inside of Israel. Do you not realize that there are people who are, who are so narrow-minded enough to believe and to think that, that their righteousness before God... Uh, 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 it's based on what family they're born into or what their race is. Guys, let me tell you something. None of that, what family you were born, I don't care if your mama was a mother on the motherboard and your daddy passed the church for 30 years. That has nothing to do with your right standing before God. And we got to make sure that we're not into self-righteousness. So Paul is just listening. He's listening to things that if anybody could brag, because you know people do like to kind of brag. Y'all know that, right? We'll brag on ourselves. How many of y'all brag on your children? Come on. How many of y'all, when you had a, a one-year-old or two-year-old, thought that they were the smartest kid to ever live? Huh? Anybody out there? Your kid, oh, listen, 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 say ABCs, baby. Your kids always embarrass you when you get out in front. They, they can say the ABCs backwards and forward when, when, whenever they're at home. But then you, you, you try to brag on them and bring them for other people. Say your ABCs, baby. They go, huh? 
Guys, it's, listen, Paul says, if anybody had a right to brag, I do. Look at my resume. Look at my history. I'm of uh, the uh, circumcised the eighth day. I'm, I'm of, the, of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, the aristocratic tribe. He goes on, he says, and, and, and Paul is saying here, listen, all of this stuff, upper class, uh, 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 belong to a more elite church, uh, going to the church that's, that's the new thing nowadays. And so some people type, begin to think that they're more in tune with God because of the church that they attend. Baby, you can attend the best church on this side of glory, but that has nothing to do with your right standing before God. Thank God for that. And thank God that you're part of a good church, but your church does not give you right standing before God. Oh, y'all listen to me today. So Paul here is going down and walking through here and letting us know his history. If anybody, if anybody had a right to brag, he does. So he gives us the privileges of birth, circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, but that's, that, that, that doesn't get you right with God. Then he, then he begins to list his achievements, his, his achievements that he did in the religious circle. First thing he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. What does that mean? You say a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, Paul claimed to have the right language and the right customs. Guys, whenever uh, whenever the Jews were conquered and scattered over the globe, a believing Jew, one who was really tuned into God, one who was really walking and believing uh, in God, refused to give up their Jewish language and their Jewish customs. And he and he continued using the Hebrew and, and he continued to practice Jewish customs wherever they may find themselves uh, in captivity. It reminded me a little bit, guys, uh, of a story. Uh, how many of y'all remember the, the epic miniseries Roots back in the day? I'm sure y'all uh, can recall it, those who are old enough. Uh, and, and what uh, and, and I, I thought about that when I was looking at what Paul was doing here uh, when he says I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, every Jew did not do what Paul did and what others who were sincere in their faith did. In other words, if you notice, even when it came to the three Hebrew boys who were taken into Babylonian captivity and Daniel, when he was in Babylonian captivity, they tr- the Babylonians tried to change their culture and the, what their dietary uh, 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 restrictions were and to try to indoctrinate them into Babylonian culture. And but but those who were quote Hebrews of Hebrews wouldn't allow their circumstance to change who they were. So they continued to speak Hebrew, even in the midst of a Greek environment. They continued to maintain those Hebraic customs while they were in captivity. But I thought about this. I thought about Ruth. Y'all remember the epic scene when uh, the, the, the master is, is, is whipping on this guy named Kunta Kente. Y'all remember Kunta Kente? And what he was doing was he was trying to get Kunta Kente to actually change his name to what? Toby. And he kept on the, he kept on beating him, and the scene got so graphic and it, it, it so emotionally moving. Uh, but what what Kuta Kente was doing was trying to maintain his heritage and his culture. And eventually, he began to bend. But my point is this: when you are a Hebrew of Hebrews, like Paul says, even though. I'm scattered throughout the globe, even though I'm over here in Babylonian captivity, even though I'm, I'm, I'm being persecuted over here in this by the Syrians. I'm going to maintain my Hebraic culture culture. I'm not going to allow where I am to cause me to stop doing things the way God has ordained for me to do. So Paul said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, I'm, I, I'm not one who gave up my custom. But he says, even with that, that's not enough to get me right before God. 
Then he says, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm a Pharisee. Watch what he says. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Now, man, guys, we're talking about the spiritual mind. Because here's what I'm afraid of. Many of us out there think the spiritual mind comes as a result of the things that we do. Listen to me carefully. Many believers think that they are spiritual because they show up every Sunday for Sunday school and worship service. Many Christians think that they are spiritual because they go to the food bank and distribute food. And all those things are good. All those things are, are, are a necessary part of our walk with the Lord. But guys, don't make this mistake of believing that those things cause you to be right before God. And that's what Paul is trying to get over to a Hebrew. Hebrew is a Pharisee. Paul claimed to have the right religion to, to have been a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were, fixed, were strict religionists. They were so strict that their very name meant the separated ones. And so Paul said that, that he was of the strictest religious sect ever known. He devoted his whole life to the most separated and demanding religion ever known to man. But yet still, he says, that doesn't make me right with God. As he got understanding. Third thing, uh, not only was uh, he a Pharisee, but he had zeal. Okay, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one, I was one, a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Verse number six. Let's read together. He says, "I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church." Now, again, how many of y'all remember? Uh, if, if you studied the Book of Acts, you you know that the Apostle Paul, whose name was Saul at that time was a part of a group that was persecuting the church. In his mind's eye at that time, Saul, which is name, was his name before it was changed to Paul, actually in, in, in a weird uh, uh, draconian type way was thinking that he was doing good by persecuting and killing those who followed after Christ. As a matter of fact, you, if you go to the book of Acts, you, you'll notice that Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul, was standing there as the crowd stoned Stephen to death because Stephen preached truth into their lives. Saul, the very same Saul, who's now single-minded, who has a submissive mind, and who's walking in the spiritual mind, his third chapter, that very same Saul, whose name is Paul now, is writing this letter. But at that time, guys... He stood there and watched them stone Stephen to death, held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death. Now, one of the reasons why you hold the clothes is because if you stoning somebody to death, it wasn't just a little rock like you had thrown at each other when you were playing in kids in the wood. These are big boulders they would pick up and just throw it down and smash somebody with. So if you if you got a big boulder, hold it up over your head and smashing somebody, that means that blood is going to splatter. So they would give their clothes to bystanders and Saul is there standing by. And guys, why did they do that? Because Stephen preached truth to them. He spoke truth and they became so indignant and angry that they persecuted him or they, they, they executed him. And Saul, whose name is Paul now, stood by and held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen. Now think about that for a second, guys. This very same Man is now saying that my zeal for things that are religious, I count that as trash, garbage, rubbish, human waste. 
in order to gain my right relationship with Christ. So he was a zealous guy, y'all. He was very zealous in persecuting the church. But now, how many of you know that when the Lord changes you, when the Lord truly changes you, there's going to be a difference in how you walk and how you live. So, so he, he says, I was very zealous. I was blameless. Paul claimed that he had sought to keep the law and he had kept it completely and fully. And that doesn't mean that Paul was sinless, but it just means that when Paul sinned, he obeyed the law and took the sacrifice to the temple. He obeyed all the commandments, the rituals and the ceremonies, just like the scripture says. He followed all the laws and instructions of the scripture. He was blameless ritually and ceremonially in the righteousness of the law. But guys, guess what? He was not right with God. He was not right with God. Paul was Paul was saying that goodness and righteousness are not found in keeping all the rituals and ceremonies of religion. Can we go, if you will, go to go to Romans the 10th chapter. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. But I want you all to see something here. As Paul writes this letter to the saints here, Rome, Romans chapter number 10. And let's look at this right here. Because we're talking about the spiritual mind. Guys, during the time that we're living in now, it is it is imperative, it is of the utmost importance that we carry the spiritual mind into everything that we do. Because when fear, fear is an emotion, amen, and it's an emotion that, that, that's very uh, uh, constricting if you allow it to be. Fear causes men not to obey God. Fear will cause you not to move when God says move. Y'all remember David and how his brothers were there uh, uh, going to battle against the Philistine giant. And David, who was a young shepherd boy, went to the front of the battle and saw that the men of Israel were cowering in fear. And that fear caused them to be afraid to go front the giant. How many of y'all got some giants in your life right now that you're afraid to confront? How many of y'all are facing maybe a financial difficulty during this crisis, maybe a health issue during this crisis, and you're afraid to move? You're afraid to obey what God told you to do? Guys, I'm telling you, fear can be a motivating thing. It's an emotion that will drive us to do things that, that, that are outside the will of God. Because if we're going to have a spiritual mind, because the spiritual mind is a mind that understands that circumstances will occur. We'll have stuff that every one of us in here was going to have something that happens in our life that may not be pleasant. Because the Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. And so when, when it starts to rain, literally, we had a storm uh, just, uh, 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 I think it was Friday night, we had a storm that came through uh, up by our house and, and hailed them. As a matter of fact, we had some windows knocked out of the church over here. Uh, and at our house, that hail was hitting that roof like, all oh, get out. That storm came through. But guys, how many of y'all know storms were not meant to last? Storms will pass. And in the midst of the storm, we got to still hold to our anchor. And that anchor is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So look at Romans 10 chapter, because again, self-righteousness, a person who is believing in their works and believing in their religious pedigree to make them right before God, they're practicing self-righteousness. They're elevating their works as a means to get in right standing with God. And what we're going to discover is, is none of us in here have the ability to be good enough to get before the presence of a holy God. Romans chapter 10, verse number one. Let's read that. Romans 10 verse 1 says, well, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Look at verse number 2. It says what? I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. 
the KJV says they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. How many know you can be zealous about something, but be zealously wrong? See, zeal, zeal can be a good thing when it's partnered, partnered with biblical knowledge. But there are folks who are zealous and they are zealous about the wrong things or they're, they're misguided in their zealousness. Paul was saying that my people, Israel, they have a zeal of God. Those who were persecuting the church thought they were doing what was good, thought they were doing God's will, but they were actually wrong. They have a zeal of God, but it was what? Misdirected. It was misguided. Look at verse number three. Let's read it right quick. It says what? For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. And I would, I would, I would, I would argue with you today that many people in our churches are, 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 are depending on their good deeds to be in right standing with God. They're, they're depending on what they do rather than what God gave us to get us in right standing with him. Now, again, we ought to do these things, but we don't we shouldn't trust in them to make us right with God. But they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Go to Proverbs 20, verse number six. Let me right quick. Proverbs 20, verse number six. Let's read that right out loud and on purpose. So our topic today is we talk about the spiritual mind. If you're going to have a spiritual mind, you can't be a self-righteous individual. How many of y'all know people in your church or people who you come across at work or in your neighborhood who who look the quote the religious part they, they you know when they come into church they got that look on their face y'all know that look don't that stoic i'm deep look that stoic uh i'm a little bit better than you look guys let me tell you something nobody in here has any right or room to brag paul is telling us guys that if anybody else in the whole world had a right to brag he did check his resume People get so enamored with what people have done, you know, and, and resumes are fine. Get your doctorate, get whatever, but your doctorate don't make, does not necessarily mean that you are connected with God. Amen? God says, I want you to come to me through the path and the avenue that I prepare for you because if you do that, your spiritual mindset will be in place and then it will, your spiritual mindset will keep you from walking in your flesh. All right? Are y'all with me? Proverbs the 20. Chapter verse number six, right quick. Let's read that right quick. Popular says, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Look at that again. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Let's go to the King James Version, that very same scripture, and let's read it from the KJV because I think it's really important for us to get some grasp understanding. It says, Most men. Will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. In other words, there are people who will tell you how good they are. They'll tell you what they've done and they'll be confident in their own goodness. But the text says, who's faithful? We have people in church and even in our church here who who may be good people in their own eyes, but they're not faithful to the things of God. Don't tell me you love God, but are not faithful to obey and do the things that God told us to do. I mean, let me, guys, let me tell you something. Y'all have heard me say this before time and time again. Love is an action word. It is an action word. God, John 3.16, so loved the world that he did what? He was moved to action. He gave his only begotten son. 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If guys, if, if I'm if I'm telling my wife that I love her, if I'm telling my children that I love them, but if I'm not doing or expressing that love through my actions, then I'm just talking. I'm just talking loud, ain't saying nothing. Because love is an action word. Repeat that when we say love is an action word. Say, show me your love. Say, show me what you're working with. And I ain't talking about anything perverted. Show me what you're working with. Show me the love of God, amen, on the inside of you. You stop talking and start showing some stuff. Too many times in this world, we have people who talk and brag and they're self-righteous, but they're not maturing in their faith. Okay, watch, watch this. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Let's go to Proverbs 30 and verse number 12. Watch this right quick. So Paul here is telling us, hey, listen, if anybody can brag, I can brag. You can't brag better than me. But that's what Paul, Paul just lists this stuff that he had done. And there are people who you run into who will tell you everything. Listen, I don't whenever I meet people. Whenever I meet people, I, just, I meet them and I tell them who I am. I introduce myself. I do not introduce myself as Reverend Doyle Adams. That's not my, my, my God-given name. I don't list myself as Pastor Doyle I know some folks who get offended if you don't call them by a title. See, what, what, I think there's something missing inside of you when you can't be who you are. Call me. And listen, I understand respect and I understand uh, uh, honor and position. But what I'm saying is if I've known you, we graduated high school together and, and I've known you from knee high to a duck up until now. Why are you going to why are you going to feel necessary that you got to you got to call me Reverend? Or I don't even like Reverend. I'm Doyle Adams, a man of God who's been called by God to do God's work. And so there are people out there who who are so insecure in themselves that they got to have that title call in order to feel good about themselves. Baby, let me tell you something. Your title does not make you. I'm going to say it again. Your title does not make you. People out there in the world aren't, aren't concerned about your title. They want to know is the love of God on the inside of you. What are you showing, amen, to the world who needs to see the Savior who we say is the one who's coming back for his church? They need to see the love of God on the inside of us during this especially during this period of time that we're living in right now. So that, that means that we got to have the spiritual mind. Because if I get caught up in titles, I get caught up in position. If, if, if I am all cranky and stuffy and not willing to be relational with people, then I'm not going to be effective in winning people for Christ. If you look at Christ and follow him, guess what? The religious leaders were the ones who were upset because he was hanging out with notorious sinners. He was hanging out with people who they wouldn't even be caught dead in public uh, being around. But Jesus hung with them. I want to know what about you? Do you build a relationship with people who don't look like you? Do you build a relationship with people who who don't have it all together? Which, of course, you don't have it all together, but you just don't know you don't got it all together. You think you got it all together. That's why you're self-righteous. And that's why I'm preaching this message to you today, because you think you're right. You think you got it all together. Guys, listen to me. Paul is letting us know that self-righteousness is not the order today. If we are going to be spirit-minded, we got to guard against self-righteousness and we got to seek perfection or maturity. Watch what the text says here. Watch this. Proverbs 30 and 12 says what? There is a generation that appear in their own eyes. Everybody say own eyes. There is a generation that is pure, that appear in their own eyes and yet it's not wise from their own filthiness. Right? That, 
that that just you, you got to pay somebody to misunderstand what the, what the what the writing proverb is saying. He says there is a generation that it, that appear in their own eyes. You think you are right, and yet it's not washed from their filthiness. In other words, you do the you do the church stuff, but when I see you outside of church, you're not exhibiting love. You do the church stuff, but when I see you outside the church, uh, you got a nasty attitude. Hello. How many of y'all work with Christians who got nasty attitudes? How many of y'all live with Christians who are something else? Y'all know what it means to be something else? They're not spiritual minded. They're carnal minded. They're still worldly and fleshy minded. And here we are uh, sitting here studying about spiritual mind. And you know you're living with somebody who, 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 who can be off the chain. Guys, self-righteousness will not get us, amen, to the place in the kingdom that God wants us to be. There's a generation that appear in their own eyes, and yet it's not washed from their filthiness. How are you living? How are you living? Let me, let's look at one more verse. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12. So Paul had received the height in self-righteousness. If anybody could brag in verses 4 through 6, Paul said, I can brag. But it don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing. How captivated are you with the stuff that you've accomplished in life? Is that what makes you? Now listen, excel, do whatever God bless you to do, but do not get enamored with yourself. Because I'm going to tell you something. The stuff that you do and you accomplish at the end of the day, when you come down to the time where, as they say, you got to cross the chilly Jordan. They don't say Jordan to Jordan. Y'all know the Jordan River is? When it's time for them to lay you out before the altar in your casket, really to say all the stuff that you've accomplished is kind of hollow if you miss what it means to be in, in, in close proximity to God and your family and your relationships. That's, that's, that's empty. Can I get a witness? And, and furthermore, people are going to forget that stuff. How many? You, listen, okay. Sports, we just had the NFL draft. How many of y'all watched the NFL draft? Anybody watch the NFL draft? And you watch the NFL draft, and, 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 and I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for all those young men who were fortunate enough to be drafted uh, or to get a free agent contract uh, to, 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 play, to play ball for a living, to make thousands and millions of dollars for playing a game. That's a good thing. But guess what? Uh, you know, nobody even probably even remembers, unless you're just a diehard fan, who was the MVP of Super Bowl four? Some of y'all even know who played in Super Bowl four. All right, the stuff that you accomplished. I mean, who 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 was who was who was the league MVP in whatever basketball, baseball, whatever. Those things are fleeting. I've, you know, I, I'm I'm watching this this series on, on with Michael Jordan, the last the last dance, and. Very interesting uh, series. And I think it's an eye-opener for those younger generations who are having a debate between who's better between LeBron and Michael. And I think it's, it's going to bring some, some, a different perspective as you try to do your debating. Nobody's going to ever really know, but I personally think that MJ had a little bit more going on than LeBron. So don't, don't, throw, you, don't throw your phone at the TV <laughs> or at your, at your screen. I, I personally believe when you begin to look at what was accomplished and how it was done, I, I think it's, it's becoming kind of apparently clear that MJ got a little bit, li, li, little bit more juice. Come on. That, uh, I'm not hating on LeBron, but I think he's got a little bit more juice, okay? So just check it out when it comes back on, all right? 
But my point is this, guys, at some point in time, what you accomplish in this world and what you accomplish on your job and you're the vice president of this, nobody's going to care about that. Not going to mean a thing. And so you spend all your life and all your time trying to get to the point and to ascribe and achieve this thing, which is nothing wrong with doing that. But when you start trusting in that to make you feel good about yourself and to make you feel like you're somebody, you missed it. Self-righteousness, when I get that. Nobody, there, unless, unless you know me and you went to Louisiana Tech, nobody knows that I'm the career interception record holder at Louisiana Tech. I mean, it's good, but they don't really matter. It ain't going to help me preach to y'all. Come on now. I got the career interception record at Louisiana Tech, but, but how is that going to help me fix your marriage? Well, you know, your dog, you know what you got. When, when she started doing like that, man, you got you to backpedal. You... You, you, got, you got to backpedal. You got, you got to go at it hard. No, 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 no. They ain't going to help you with your wife. You got to learn how to be a man of integrity and honor. So that stuff is okay in its place, but don't think that that makes you. Self-righteous people have a bad habit of, of looking at their accomplishments to make themselves feel like they're okay with God. Look at what the text says. Watch it, watch it. So, so those things are good in their place, but don't get stuck on that because when you leave this place, whenever, whenever you are, uh, 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 it's time for you to transition, what's going to really matter is what you did for Christ. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves among themselves and not wise. Let's go to the NLT for that very same verse right there. Glory to God. Watch, watch what it says in the NLT. Says, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, the same one who wrote the book of uh, uh, the, the letter that, we, that we're studying from, from Philippians, the third chapter. The same Paul who's talking about the spiritual mind says, oh, don't worry. We don't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. Oh, we got some preachers who tell you how important they are. They walk into the building and they got this look on their face. And they want you to bow down before them. Preacher, get yourself together. It's not about you. It's about the Jesus that you should be preaching. It's not about Doyle Adams. I'm just a vessel that God called to do what I'm doing. And as I told you before, guys, I am arguably the least likely person to be doing what I'm doing today. I did... I did not like talking in front of people. I was a shy individual growing up, and yet God says, I'm calling you to do this. I, 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 don't, I, I consider myself somewhat of a reluctant spiritual leader, but I got to do what God called me to do. He says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. And, and the church of Corinth has some issues with Paul. Because Paul was speaking truth to him, but then some of them thought Paul was preaching for the money. So Paul says, these other guys who, who come before you, you don't mind supporting them, but here you are trying to, trying to drive hard on me. He says, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. What does Paul say? How ignorant that is. It is ignorant for a church to compare himself to, to another church. It is ignorant for a pastor or a deacon or, or someone who sings in the choir to get into this mode of comparing yourself to someone else. That's not what it's all about. If you're going to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So 
Guys, I'm going to tell you something. During this period of time that we're living in right now, it's important for the church to be spirit-minded and not to be comparing ourselves to some other church. Okay? If you think about it just for a second now, really, uh, none of our churches are meeting uh, at this very moment. So it doesn't matter if you got a 5,000-seat church. You can't put 5,000 people in there. <laughs> so if, if, if you really want to be honest about it, if you're in that comparison mode, all of us on equal footing right now. So that, that stuff is mundane and, and vain. And really, uh, when you get into that mode of comparing your church to some other church, you miss God and you don't have the spiritual mindset. Paul says that is what? Ignorant. How ignorant it is. So, so he talks about his achievements, his self-achievement. He, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was uh, a Pharisee. He, was, he had zeal. He was blameless. And so uh, those things, Paul said, don't really matter. So, so we got to reject self-righteousness and, and seek perfection. So, so the next thing I want you to make point of, Paul sought to win Christ, his righteousness, and his perfection. Let's go to verse 7 through 11. Paul sought to win Christ, his righteousness, and his perfection. Verse number 7 from Philippians chapter number 3. Talking about the spiritual mind, guys. Because as a pastor, my, my job is to impart wisdom and knowledge from the Holy Scriptures into the life and the, in, into the hearts of the people of God that, that he's ordained and called me to shepherd over. And so I'm, I'm very concerned when I hear of members being carnal-minded or worldly-minded in their approach to life situation, in their approach to how they handle circumstances, how they handle problems. During this period of time that we're living in now, during this time of, 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 of stay at home and isolation, it's real important that we keep our minds girded up with the word of God. Because if not, the enemy will come in and begin to try to regulate our mind. He's always sending thoughts to our mind to try to see what will stick. What will stick there and what will get down in our hearts. Watch what the text says. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them what? Worthless because of what Christ has done. All that stuff he's just been bragging about. Hebrew of Hebrew, a Pharisee, zealous more than any other man, blameless. All that stuff Paul said, it don't amount to anything. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Watch what the text says. Verse number eight. Let's read. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else Counting it all as garbage. KJV says counting as dumb. Human waste. So that I could gain Christ. Paul believed with all his heart that if he trusted Jesus Christ, that if he sought after the righteousness and the perfection of Jesus Christ with all that he was and all he had, God would take his faith and he would count it as righteousness. Let's read on to verse 9, 10, 11. Text says this what and become one with him. Back up to verse number eight. Look at the last part of it. Back verse, verse eight says, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ, so that I could gain Christ and become one with who? Him. Who is him? Christ. Paul says, I'm trying to become one with Christ. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through how? Faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Oh, I thought it depended on whether or not you were a Baptist or a Catholic or you were Episcopalian or United Methodist. That don't have anything to do with righteousness before God. Oh, I thought, it, I thought, I thought my righteousness uh, depended on 
on, on, on how well I did uh, in serving the poor. You ought to serve the poor, but that's not, that doesn't make you right with God. Righteousness comes through the saving work of Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary and trusting in that as the avenue to get in right standing with God. Now, now that I am in right standing with God, then I'm, my, I, I'm, I'm saved. I'm not saved by my good works, but I'm saved to do good works. Don't get it messed up. Don't get it twisted to where you try to work your way in the righteousness. Get right standing through God's avenue and then allow your growth and your development as a Christian to be to be manifested in what you do in your everyday life. Don't get the order mixed up. It says I become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what faith. Come on, 10, 11. Let's read. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. Now, how many of y'all, listen to, what he, listen to what Paul says. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul says, I want to experience that. But he also says, I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death. Now, this, this is where a lot of Christians get off the train. A lot of Christians say, oh, 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 but pastor, okay, uh, let me off right here. It's kind of like the, the person who's going through Six Flags or an amusement park and, and you, uh, you're going around and, and, and you ride every ride till you get to the, the big gorilla, the big kahuna, the, the, the big roller coaster that goes up, down, upside down. You go, oh, I'm getting off right here. I'm not going there. Guys, listen, Paul said this. The person who's spiritually minded knows and understands that when he stands for Christ, there are going to be some times when you're going to suffer persecution. The Bible even says all that live godly in Christ Jesus, not might. Well, maybe by happenstance, but it says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In other words, there's going to be some blowback that you get when you stand for Christ, when you speak truth. When you stand for what's right, everybody will not like that. But a spirit minded person moves on anyhow. I want to suffer with him sharing with, in his death. Look at verse number 11. Let's read. Come on, let's go. It says what? So that, so, that, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So Paul sought to win Christ, his righteousness, his perfection. Five, five points. And I don't, this is not on your notes, but just. Remember that Paul had a past experience with Christ. In other words, there was, there was a time when, when he had counted his own righteousness as lost, he, as he told us in, in, in the seventh verse. Paul was referring to his conversion experience. He, he had a past experience with Christ. Y'all know the story on the road to Damascus, going to persecute the church, he met the resurrected Savior. Knocked from his beats, blinded, and had a conversation with the resurrected Savior. So he had past experience with Christ. How many of you sitting out there today had a relationship, a past experience with Christ. Paul also had a continuous experience with Christ. He constantly counted all things as lost and was as waste in order to win Christ. Now listen, guys, when a person has made the decision to seek after Christ, he has to continue to seek after the knowledge of Christ, to learn all he can about the righteousness and the perfection of Jesus Christ. It's not just a matter of making a decision to follow Christ and then turning and walking on just like ain't nothing happened. You're doing things, you're doing life the way you've always done. You're making the same decision the way you've always made them. Paul is letting us know that this has to be a continuous 
thing. It's making the decision to follow Christ and continuing to seek after the knowledge of him. And here's where a lot of believers fall short. We get saved, we make a decision, but we don't grow in our faith. Remember, that was the problem with the Corinthian church. They were spiritual babies. Immature people who had made a decision, but they were not growing in their faith. So as a result, they had a lot of turmoil, envy, jealousy, strife in the church. And so they were not spirit minded. They were still spiritual babies. It's a, it's this process of growing and, and, and seeking out the knowledge of God is 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 called sanctification. Sanctification is a process. Everybody say sanctification is a process. Go with me to Second Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number eighteen. Second Corinthians, chapter number three, verse number eighteen. It is a process. Let's read that right quick. Second Corinthians, chapter number three, verse number eighteen. Ready to read? So all of us, right, who have had that veil removed, can see. And reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, does what? Makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his what? Glorious image. Don't miss this. See, spirit-minded people understand this, that it is the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And the Lord, who is the spirit, what does he do? He makes us more and more like him. As we are changed into his glorious image, God's will and desire for each one of us is that we become more and more like Christ the longer we're saved. Now, what gets us there? Because, again, sanctification is a process. Sanctification is a process that God uses to do a work in us by his indwelling Holy Spirit to, to make us more and more holy until finally we become just like his son, Jesus. That's God's goal for every last one of us. His goal for you and I is that every day that we're saved, we're more and more like Christ. Now, can, 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 you, be, can you admit with me and be honest that there are times when, when, when you don't represent Christ well? There are times in my life, guys, I, I promise you, I didn't represent Christ well. And, I, I'm, I, and I, I regret that and I hate that. But I thank God that he forgives and allows me to get back on the course. And he'll do the very same thing for you. I don't care how royal you messed up. Today is a new day. Let's become spirit-minded rather than fleshly or worldly-minded. It's a process. And the finality of this sanctification process will not be complete until we see Jesus face to face. But again, we got to be concerned about progressing. Do you not realize there are people who sit in our churches and maybe you one of those folks who who hadn't changed very much since you've been saved. Been saved 15, 20 years but still approaching life the same way you've always approached it. It is a process. The question we must ask ourselves is, are we making progress toward holiness? Are we cooperating with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to do what he wants to do in our life? That's the question. Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Go to 1 Peter chapter number 1 with me right quick. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 14. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Glory. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 14 says what? So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back in the old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Now, guys, he says, you didn't know any better then. What he's implying, now you know better. Don't go back to the old way. Verse 15 and 16, let's read. But now you must be holy in everything you do. That's the command. Just as God who chose you is holy. Verse 16, watch this. 
For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, if God says this about us, do y'all think he meant for us to be holy? He says, just, I'm holy. I want you to be holy. See, if you don't have a spiritual mind, the first thing you can say, well, you know, but pastor, you know, all, everybody got something wrong in their life and all of us, you know, all of us ain't nobody perfect. You are exactly right. But we ought to be striving toward perfection. It makes no sense for you to be saved 15 years and can't find John 3.16 in your Bible. It makes no sense for you to have been saved 20 years and still getting mad because somebody sat in your seat on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about you. You got mad. You had a little attitude. You didn't say nothing, but you had a little emotional thing, an emotional fit going on right there on row number three. Because somebody sat in the seat that your family normally sits in. And look what God did. You can't even sit in that seat now. See, when people do that kind of stuff, that means that there hasn't been spiritual progress being made. That's, that's baby stuff. And guys, we got to stop being babies. We got to grow in the word of God. Sanctification is that process of us growing. But he says it's the Holy Spirit. He's called Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples before he left this earth, he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit describes the spirit of God that abides on the inside of us. And it is holy and it helps make us holy. Here's the truth, guys. We don't have to try to do this on our own. And that's the problem. Many Christians are trying to live this Christian life on their own and spirit. If you're going to be spirit minded, it has to come through the help of the Holy Spirit. Look at first Peter, first Peter one, verse number 22. Skip down to verse number 22. And we're going to see here that the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals to us the word of God. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with what? With all your heart. You can't do this, guys, on your own. God gave the Holy Spirit to make us holy. It's, we got to make sure that we are following his lead. Because if not, if we're not spirit-minded, we're going to be earthly-minded. We're going to be fleshly-minded. And we're going to allow our emotions to dictate and determine our action. And I'm here to tell you right now, you will find yourself doing some foolish stuff. You're going to look back and say, why did I do that? You did it because, again, that emotional side of your brain, the amygdala, Amen. Overwhelm the vir cortex, which is the thinking, the logic part of yourself, the, the part that receives the word of God and processes it. And you allow your emotions to overwhelm that. And you're not even thinking about the word that you've been taught. Everybody say spirit minded. The Holy Spirit reveals truth and it, it, he empowers the believer. So Paul, uh, Paul, uh, Paul had a past experience in Christ. He had a continuous experience in Christ. Paul also sought a future experience with Christ. He sought to be found in Christ. Amen. We see in Philippians, the third chapter, verse number nine. If the truth be told, none of us can stand before God and be declared righteous based on what we ourselves have done in the flesh. Spirit minded people understand this. Amen. Paul sought a victorious experience with Christ. He sought to know Christ. He sought an, ex- an eternal experience with Christ. He sought to be resurrected from the dead. Amen. Amen. Just like Christ was resurrected from the dead. So last point I want to get to you, Paul did not count himself as having yet arrived. He was not yet perfect. Look at, look at verse 12 through 16. Let me close this out. Paul did not count himself as having yet arrived. He was not yet perfect. The term perfect here is talking about spiritual maturity. 
Guys, the number one problem I see in the church, and I see even as a part of our body here, is we have too many spiritual babies in the church. And when you have spiritual babies who are still shaking a rattle, sucking a bottle, messing on themselves, not not dialed into God and the things of God, then you're going to be limited. We're going to be limited as a church. And in and, and churches across our America, it, it's been proven that Barna Group is researches time and time again. Most Christians aren't growing. They're not spending time with God and his word. So we got to get to the point where we're not there anymore. Paul followed after perfection, after his God-given purpose. When Christ saved Paul, that was just the beginning and not the end. Look, what it, look at verse 12 through 16 and we're closing out here. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 16. Watch this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Look at verse 13. Read. It says what? No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. And here's what I want you to do. Forgetting the past, all those accolades, all those things you've done in the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead, not only forgetting the good stuff, but the bad stuff too. You can spend all your time talking about, oh, but back in yes, back, back in the day, boy, we did this. Back in the day, we did this. Back in the day, man, we were rolling. Back in the day, we did it. Listen, back in the day is back in the day. You look back in the day and learn from it, but you can't go forward looking back in the day. There, there are new things that God wants us to accomplish, but we got to press, press forward. This is, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies here. Look at, look at the next verse. That's what. I press on and reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Fifteen. Let all who are spirit what? Let all who are what? Spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. I believe God will make it plain to you. So, you guys, the past cannot be forgotten without reaching forth to what lies ahead. A person cannot sit around moaning and regretting the past. To do so is to be concentrating upon the past. The things of the past are to be forgotten. The things of the future are to be the focus of your mind. In other words, I can look back and I can learn and I can I can I can learn some life lessons, but I can't I can't stay connected to my past. Otherwise, it's going to prevent me from going forward to the future. The spiritual minded person understands that. And so uh, Paul pressed on toward the goal. He pressed on toward God's purpose in Christ Jesus. And so what about you? Where are you right now? Could you be described as a spiritually minded person? I didn't say religious. I said spiritually minded. In other words, the things of the spirit, the Holy Spirit guides and directs your thought life. Let's be spiritually minded. Jesus gave his life out on Calvary so that you and I could possess the spiritual mind. Where are you on that scale? Every head, body, by close. Father, we thank you.